Hi there, and welcome to episode five of Dudes Being Dudes, the podcast presented by Knocking Point Wines, our friends at Studio 71, and a gaggle of thousands behind the scenes. Thousands. I'm kidding. It's like a couple of people. You could probably tell in the early days that this is not the most refined podcast. It's not snappy and overly produced, although it's well-produced. Um, we are a work in progress. I am <laughs> in the process of setting myself up in Atlanta as I get ready to shoot the second season of Heels, available now on the Stars app. Drew has just moved into a new house <laughs> in Los Angeles, so when you hear a slight echo when he's speaking, it's not because he's not being thoughtful with his equipment. It's because his fucking house is empty because I don't know if you've heard, but the um, the supply chain, eh, we're having a few problems here and there. That's not a political comment. That's a, that's the thing. It's taking a while to get certain things. It always took, you know what though? It always took a while to get furniture. It really did. Anyone that, anyone that says that it doesn't is just looking for an excuse to complain. Nonetheless, we're both uh, <laughs> we're both dudes without a studio that's all set up. So at the very least, we can sound and look professional. So occasionally, you're going to see video. If you are hearing this part, it's just the audio part because I'm recording it at uh, a little before eight o'clock on Tuesday, the first of first of March. Our guest today is our most recent collaborator in the NP, the Knocking Point capsule collection. He is a 10-year veteran of the National Basketball Association, a wonderful, wonderful artist, and a former NBA slam dunk champion. It's Mr. Desmond Mason. We talk about his love of wine, his time in the league, the the state of the relationship between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook as far back as like 2007, which was a very interesting story, how Michael Jordan helped mentor him in the league, uh, how he would find time to work on his art when he was also traveling all over the United States of America during the NBA season and you know what he would do when he was on the road. And bottom line, he's a fucking great guy. Very thoughtful. Drew got to know him a little bit better than I did. I actually spoke with Desmond for the first time when we did the podcast because they were introduced through our friend and our coworker, three-time Super Bowl champion. And don't you ever fucking forget it. Three-time Super Bowl champion. Lonnie Paxton, who, based off of knowing him for a couple of years now, might actually know everybody. I know that you're listening to this right now. Someone's listening to this, and they're in New Zealand, okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. I know Lonnie, too. Great guy. <laughs> so listen, it's a really nice chat. Thank you to Desmond. Unfortunately, his capsule collection uh, is probably... As of the time that you are listening to this, either sold out or there might be one or two left. He wanted to make sure that the people who follow his art 
and follow new things that he puts out. Uh, we're the first people to get a crack at it. And uh, lo and behold, um, he has a lot of fans. So thank you to Desmond. Thank you to Drew, to Taryn, to Zacco, to everyone who helped put this podcast together. Um, heads up out there in the world. I know that there's a lot of crazy, scary stuff going on. But uh, when things like this happen, it um, sometimes brings out the best in people. And I think that it's bringing out a lot of community and, well, a lot of the things that the world needs right now. And I'm going to leave that at that for the time being. Without further ado, our friend, Mr. Desmond Mason. There he is. Do we have you? Not yet. Uh, Not yet. What? Uh, there he is. Can y'all hear Des. me? Des. What's yeah. up? You What's drinking up? wine already? Look at this for guy. For you guys only. For you, it's only for y'all. <laughs> hey, we all got props. We all got props. Look at this. How you got? I've been working, man. I've been fucking going since 530. You've been grinding, man. I love it. That's why I like you. You're always going. This guy's texting me at 10.30 at night. He's texting me when I get up at 6 in the morning. I love it. Hey, NBA clock, man. It's never changed. That's right. Hey, can, hey, Drew, can, you, can I get an introduction here? I, I was really going to let me let me let me introduce you. Sorry. <laughs> let me introduce you. My best buddy, a business partner in Knocky Point for 10 years. Uh, Stephen Amell, he, um, you know, you know, many people, uh, know him as, as the arrow, uh, yeah, but he's, he's, yeah. he's my we buddy, Stephen, and he's, he's my, he's my business partner. And, um, we've been doing this for years and, uh, here we go. It's nice to connect you to, it's nice to connect you to, there you go. Absolutely. Desmond, nice, nice. nice to meet you as well. How are you? I'm, I'm drinking wine at, uh, what time is it here? It's two o'clock in Oklahoma city. So. And I'm You're and I'm good. talking to you guys. I'm good, man. Life's good. <laughs> good. Well, thanks for joining us, man. I, I should probably introduce you too for man. You know, the knocking point fans out there who may not know Desmond Mason. Um, you know, he's a he, he is a uh, friend now and collaborator of Knocking Point. He's an incredible artist. But before that, he was an NBA slam dunk champion, played for years in the NBA, and he actually was drafted in the first round by my Seattle Supersonics when they were still in, in, in Seattle, which is why I'm wearing the old Mariners hat. I didn't have I like Sonics that. lid, but I, I like but that. I used to have the Sean Kemp poster in my in my bedroom when I was growing up as a kid. So, um, you know, welcome to the show, Des, and you know, thanks for making us look good last week or for the last couple of days with your with your capsule drop, man. Man, thank you so much. It's been fun, man. We've been talking about it for a while. Uh, yeah. I was Seattle. I mean. I live in Oklahoma City now, but I'm a Seattle guy. The Ackley family gave me my first run uh, at the NBA, and it was an amazing time. I was very hurt when I had to leave. But, um, man, I was excited about this. I told you many times, uh, Andrew, before that this is kind of a dream of mine. I've kind of walked this path, designing labels possibly and doing things. But um, I became a wine snob when I got oysters and seafood. Um, but, yeah, uh, this was such a this was such a great good opportunity, man. So thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of it. Well, h- hang on just one second, just because it's I don't actually know this 
story as well. But okay. how did the two? How did the two of you come to meet? And I'm pointing at the two of you, Drew. How did you and Desmond yeah. come to start running in the same circle? Because Lonnie, man, Lonnie. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, our boy Lonnie Paxton. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, you know, I, I'll give I'll give a little bit of a you know a, a prelude to that is. I was doing a charity event, a CCA event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, for uh, basically fighting against childhood cancer, you know, uh, big time initiatives. And I met a guy named Sully um, who knew Lonnie and, and it kind of circled itself with GoPro. And Lonnie started telling me about all these great things he's doing. And he started talking about Knocking Point and wine and, you know, this cool vibe. And when he started saying that, I was pretty much all um, he told me, you know, kind of some stuff that was on the horizon, didn't give too much detail, connected Andrew and I, we kind of all started getting on this text chain. And before you know it, man, here we are. This is quite a while later, but here we are. We've had some great conversations. It's, uh, it's been such a cool I mean, I, we haven't talked in, you know, face-to-face in a long time. And I say face-to-face via Zoom. We haven't even met in yeah. person yet, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. But we've just texted 500 a, times. It's a cool ride. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, we just texted 500 times. We've talked on video a handful of times on the phone a bunch. That's what I like about you gotta, that. You got to start. You got you to Yeah, I mean, he's always hitting me with ideas, right? Next to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, you no, got, man. You got, you, you, your favorite is. You got a favorite text from Mark. Nice. Nice, oh. man. Thank you. No, I mean, he's always hitting me with ideas. And, uh, you know, I mean, I like finding people like Des who, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, start to give me the energy to get more creative too and to start to think differently about stuff. And, um, you know, uh, it's so funny, Des, because I, I actually mentioned my wife, Jen, the other night about Cabo because he was texting me about, about going to Cabo. And she's just like, she was like, was he serious? Or are we going? I was like, listen, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all I can to get down there to Cabo with Des. So let's do it. <laughs> I, I, I'm done, bro. That's, that's, that's yeah, absolutely yeah. 100% done. Say I love it. I love, do. Yeah, that's great. So, <laughs> hey, so, so, uh, First things first, before the wine discussion, mm-hmm. let's let's talk hoops a little bit. I know that it, you know Stephen. Stephen knows who you are from your hoops days. We shared some videos of you in the past. Can you still dunk between the legs, man? The, the, between, the no, full not thing? between not, not between legs. No, 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 absolutely. Still dunk is absolutely one hundred percent. I can still dunk. I still got like a little. I mean, I can beat a lot of high school kids. Um, the college kids nowadays, not so much. But uh, I know I still got three sixty. <laughs> You know, I still got that kind of stuff, but between that's young legs, bro. That was off of two feet between yeah. the legs. That was and no no throw up. That was that was young legs. But um, but yeah, I said I'm gonna dunk until I'm 50, and then I told my wife to get a really nice bottle of wine and go for a drive and sit somewhere quiet and maybe shed a tear because I'm gonna step away from even attempting to dunk at the age of. Is that right? You can still 360. <laughs> Absolutely. You just, you just, you just said yeah. that, like, you just said that, like, you can still, uh, yeah, and I guess still 360, you can still 360 yeah. at this moment. Yeah, and like by the way, layup. guys, we're the that's same like age. I, I actually, I, yeah, man, I actually <laughs> saw your, your, your birthday. We have the same birthday. We're, we, you know, we're both 77 babies. This guy can 360. That's yeah, hilarious. So, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've, I've met a couple of guys that have been in the league, but for for reasons that pass my understanding a little bit, I've had a couple of text exchange with Dominique Wilkins. Yeah. Drew, have I ever told you this? You did. You did. Yeah. And yeah. and and I've heard I've heard him say too. It's not about once you once you get up there in age a little bit. It's not about 
it's not about can you get up you can get up it's it's coming down coming down <laughs> becomes the problematic part right absolutely absolutely that's cool you know, you know what you should you know, when you turn 50 right. what when you turn 50 what you should do is you should get like you know how kids get those rims where you can adjust them up in height you just get one of those and just start bringing it down you don't think <laughs> no 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 that's training wheels <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta put the bike down it's kind of like when you get old enough you drive you got always, you got the old people on the highway the elderly i'm sorry i don't want to be politically correct the elder i'm like my grandma i said grandma it's time to, to let go of the steering wheel like you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself you're gonna hurt somebody and personally it's I'm gonna dunk. I'm gonna hang on the rim as long as I can, and then I'm gonna lightly let go and fall down. I just want to hang on till I stop swinging, and then let go and land. I'll probably be in some New Balance, a nice soft thick sole, and so I can land. So I can land, and then it's over. It's all over. That's a good call. <laughs> um, hey Desmond, when you when you were so, so now, obviously, you have a bunch of different interests um, in, the, in the art world and now the wine world that we'll get into. But did you have that same entrepreneurial spirit when you were in the league? Is it something that you learned while you were there? Or is it something that happened after your playing career? Man, I, it's kind of a, I grew after my playing career more than anything. But you know, Cliff noted for the most part is when I was in college, um, my, you know, I was, you know, pursuing a degree. Uh, studio art, which was going to basically be a teacher. I wasn't on any draft radar. I played four years. I wasn't on a draft board first or second round when I came out really, really hard to, to put myself in position to get drafted. And then it was 10 years of hard work. But um, I remember when I was drawing in college, I wanted to sell some of my artwork. And um, I talked to my coach, Eddie Sutton, uh, and he said, we have to talk to NCAA because players couldn't work. You couldn't have a job as a player. And the NCAA told me, no, I couldn't sell my own personal artwork. And so once I, yeah, 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 that's the NCAA is what they are. They're going to go away soon. I can promise you that. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I got into um, the NBA, my first year, I started drawing in my hotels. Like while the guys were going out, I would eat a nice dinner, have a nice glass of wine. I go back to my hotel. I'll bring my portfolio on the road and I would paint and draw. I'm a rookie. I'm 22. And I did that all road trips. So in 2001, the year I won a dunk on my first art exhibition in Seattle. And I can remember myself, my first painting, my first drawing, it took me 18 hours to draw this hyper-realistic drawing. And I sold it for 450 bucks along with a bunch of other pieces, but I sold it on bucks across the board. And that was my first show. And every year I had a show and I donated the first eight years of my shows, I donated a single dollar to charity. <clears throat> and then the last two years, as I'm getting older, this was going to be my cycle out of the NBA, big shows, you know, summer shows, collaborating apparel. I started taking a percentage of the profit so I can learn how to manage that. Because I just didn't just give it away to some charity and they were giving me a tax deduct form. That was pretty much the extent of it in my career taking for a little bit for profit so I can learn how to manage that and change the business taxes right off things like that. And, uh, and when I stepped away from basketball, I stepped away on my terms. I mean, I walked into the Sacramento Kings GM's office and I said, I think I'm retiring. Seriously. And I said, yeah, I think I'm done. 
And that was that was the last game I played the game before the night before. <clears throat> Walked around with my son in downtown. Sacramento. It's not very beautiful. And then uh, and then I said, I'm done. And uh, and I walked away. I walked away from the game. Uh, turned down some deals after that. Set the awesome deals. Art was just what I wanted to do next. And so um, mm-hmm. that's what I did, man. That was it. That was it. So I was, I was looking at your basketball reference, and that was that was five games into the that was five games into the season. Yeah, absolutely. I played the preseason, and it was five games into the regular season. And I think my biggest point, I told my agent, I've told this story a thousand times over. When I was when I signed with him, I said, I'm tired when I'm 32. Is what I told him. I said, I just want to play 10 years. You'll be fully vested into the NBA game. I said, but when I don't feel like, and I said, it may pass 32, but that was kind of like my random number in my head. Mm-hmm. But when I don't have the passion to play the way that I play, and I played very aggressively, to play the way that I play, um, then I don't want to play anymore. And when I went to Sacramento, they didn't care, man. Like, you know, the Maloofs owned the team, and you know, Vegas issues, um, the players didn't care. Uh, Paul Westfall was my first coach at Seattle, and he mm. was my last coach mm. in Sacramento. Wow. Interesting. And so, so it was just, uh, it was, I would come to practice and just didn't want to be there. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a newborn and a four-year-old, and every time I left the house, she would cry. Like, it was just kind of like, man, this is, like, she, where are you going, dad? 10-day road trip, whatever it is. So I just said, man, I think I'm done with this. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I stepped away. So was that a bad thing having the same coach for your first team and last team? Or oh no, no, I, I love Paul. No, no. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Paul, Paul Westfall was one of the greatest, like almost to a fault. He he was like, yeah. listen, he would sub you out for not shooting. Like oh, that's wow. the guy. That's the guy you want. Like that's the guy you want. And so Paul was, and we had a relationship that dated back to 2000 when I was drafted into Seattle. And in July or June or July or whatever. And um, and to have that full circle and to finish my career with him, I kind of had this weird dynamic of a career. I started with the Sonics. I played in Oklahoma City. I started with Paul Westfall. I ended my career with Paul. It was just kind of this weird dynamic. But Paul was a great guy to play for. I mean, obviously, Paul Westfall is a Hall of Famer. He passed away. But, man, I'm talking about one of the best people you ever want to be around. Not even hands down. Not a question. That's a great story. Who was your your best teammate ever? Right. I mean, you played for a handful uh, of teams. Who who was your best teammate? I would say my favorite teammate. He, we still yeah. friends to this day, and it's 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 Michael Red. Um, yeah. Michael Red and I. Oh yeah. He, he, Ohio State. Michael Red was you know the reason a big reason why Seattle decided to move on from Ray Allen because Mike was absolutely uh, he was he's a knockdown three-point shooter he was an olympian yep. gold medalist all-star but mike is as humble as they come and we have known each other since national basketball we just ended and we were coming out at the same time we beat one round we got beat by florida they played ohio state in the final four i mean uh, yeah the final four i think was and um and we missed it by a round but he was he, he still to this day we still talk you know, consistently, we still talk. Hey, Drew, interesting thing about the interesting thing about the NBA and the difference between the NBA now and the NBA when Desmond was playing 
back in, and this is not even 15 years. Well, it's basically about 15 years ago. In 2006, 2007, Desmond, you played for it's, it's New Orleans, right? The New, yeah. New Orleans? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was a, okay. In OKC. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Oh, and OKC. Oh my, yep. right. Okay. Because, the, because I remember that, that. right. Yeah. Okay. That was, and Chris Paul was on that team too, right? Early Absolutely. part of his career. Absolutely. Okay. Smith. Yep. All right. So Drew Desmond in 2006, 2007 played in 75 games, started all 75. Do you know how many three pointers he made? And how many three pointers he attempted? I mean, I don't think I don't think you were a a, a three point guy, right? Like you weren't a two, were you? Or I mean, you were a three. It, 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 late, late, and this is gonna be funny because it's this is later in my career, so I I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I can tell you. I do. I want to. I want to hear it. I want. I definitely want to hear it because I know. Fire away. Okay. You made zero three-point field goals because you attempted zero three-point field goals. <laughs> I was going to say zero. You, were, you, weren't, you weren't a one or a two, right? I mean, you were what? A well, four? so then if you if you look early in my career, the way so here's a here's a I got it right. By the way, I got I got it I got it right in front of me. So don't fudge yeah, any man. of the numbers because oh, I got them right here. I would, I would definitely, definitely <laughs> not. I would definitely not because anybody knows me, they know I know my game, and I never stepped outside of that. But if you look early in my career, I shot way more threes. I mean, I ended my college career shooting like 42% from three. And we went to the who went on to play the big boys. But like I shot 40 plus percent from the three-point line. In the NBA, I shot way more threes. Reason being is it's who you play with and how you play, right? And so I Mm -hmm. was playing with Gary and Gary was a, a, a very good post guard. So it was pretty much everybody else standing around the three-point line and wait for him to get doubled and you make shots in your spot. Kind of like what Bruce Bowen did in set. Right? He stood in the corner the whole entire time. The ball worked this way around the horn and found Bruce Bowen in the corner. That was it. Bruce Bowen shot more twos than he, more threes than he shot twos when he was at San Antonio at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. I was vice versa. Because at the end of my career, I was more of a go-to guy from the standpoint they want to meet in the post face up use athleticism things like that get to the free throw line so yeah in in new orleans okc um with katrina having to move that team byron scott told me for 82 games he told me this those games but i played for them for two years every play i got the ball first on the block every single play <laughs> the whole wow. season i mean really? whether it was road or home it was I would down screen for David West. Chris would throw him the ball. He would turn around, post me up, and I would go ice every single play. <laughs> every, every single play. Yeah, you knew it was coming. All we did, if, if you try, if you overplayed it, we would cross screen. And I would just go to the other side and they would swing the ball to the other side. It was, it was, I was getting the ball every single first play of the game. But that was my That's game. Yeah, that was that was my game. But yeah, no, we didn't you know the game today is. We know what the game is today. I mean, obviously we watch it, but uh, the game then, if you think about it, when I was playing, man, I look back at some of the guys I played against and I played against Hall of Famers, greatest ever, icons of the game. I mean, I'm Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal, Theo Ratliff. Um, I mean, you next, Patrick Ewing, Vin Baker. I mean, you name these guys when they were big, they got the ball every time. Mm-hmm. Yep. They got it every time. It was just a different game. It was a different game. 
Speaking mm-hmm. of Shaq, did you ever come off a like a like like a switch <laughs> and, and just end up with your elbow at his back trying to try to keep him out of the paint ever one time? No. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Best story ever. So so you did. I love Andrew, it. <laughs> you guys watch it. You you watch me play. I switch I switched off on him, but you know, like there was a couple of times I switched off on him, but we always double Shaq anyway, so it didn't matter. But if the double didn't come fast enough, I'm yelling. I'm screaming like, I mean, seriously, you guys going to come or what? But the yeah. best Shaq story is I get the I take a dribble. He's in L.A. I take off, and I'm like, man, I'm about to dunk on Shaq. Man, he hit me. <laughs> Bro, I mean, when he got in front of the rim and it jumped, like, I didn't see the rim anymore. Like, it was just, I was, like, trying to figure out how to get around him in the air, midair. And he hit me, and it was like jumping into a brick wall. And I fell down, and I remember the referee going, you okay? And I go, I'm good. And I got up, and I walked to the free throw line, and he hit me with his body. Like, right, we just body. He didn't swipe me. And I walked to the free throw line, and, like, the only thing that hurt was my eye. But I didn't really understand. I couldn't see, and my eye hurt. But I'm like, it was all body contact. I missed both free throws. The second one bounced off the back of the rim, came right back to me. I dribbled and went right back down the middle of the, and he hit me. <laughs> and got another foul. And he he's like, got kids at home. I can't let you dunk on me. And that was literally, it hurt so bad. It was the worst pain in my 10 years. I heard that dude is like jumping into the wall. Back then, yeah. at least. I mean, he was, you're talking 27 foot and athletic. It was, oh, and he, and he, had, mean, like, he had like eight you- body fat. Did you really tell yourself I'm dunking on Shaq right now? Like this is I'm gonna dunk on Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, I tried to I tried to body everybody. I mean I wanted Come all. Come on, the- man. Come on, man. I think it's I, I think it's fantastic. True. I, I thought players. I, I think it's fantastic. Hey, come on, man. man. Players. Players got to players got to play. Shooters. Shooters. Shooters got to shoot. Shoot. Dunkers got to dunkers got to dunk. I was trying to put headstones in my front yard all day every day. I wanted all the bodies. <laughs> I wanted all the bodies. Like with that one. Yeah, that's uh, he put me in my yard. That hurts so bad. Are you okay? I love that. Are you okay, uh, young young kid? He he told me he's like, I got kids at home. You can't dunk on me on TV. That was exactly what he told me. I was like, I'm telling you, man, my inside, like, I'm like, he didn't even hit me in the face, but my eyes were hurting so bad. Oh, what just happened? But I got a concussion, ref. I got a concussion. So Shaq. Shaq is teaching you. Shaq is teaching you lessons on the uh, on the court, off the court, off the court. When you're focusing on on refining your art and and saving a bunch of money as a rookie, not going out for expensive dinners. Um, you know who are the players in the league at the time, teammates or otherwise, that are taking you under their wing and and showing you how to how to be a player in the league, how to be a professional. I mean, it was what well, was with two guys. One that was really like from the standpoint of of showing me how to be not just financially smart, but business savvy was Brent mm-hmm. Barry. Oh, Brent Barry is one of my one of my I mean, one of the coolest guys. Still a great friend. Me and Brent still talk as well. But Brent, Brent Barry, we sat next to each other in the locker room. We just vibed. It was different because my mindset was, and I don't say this with disrespect. My mindset was different than a lot of the guys. Like I was always looking for, I mean, I had a business card that said Desmond Man, professional athlete with my my cell phone number and my e 
and then it was AOL email, and then it had the NBA logo. It was just a white little janky card, and I literally gave them out to everybody. But there was nobody <laughs> else giving. There was no other players giving out cards. Like I was the one. I mean, I took all the information that my rookie sent. I mean, I just used it. But Brent Barry was a huge influence to me on just kind of constantly staying in the space of business and and being smart and be networking. Like, I mean, where from networking, that word doesn't exist. Like, and so when he explained what it was, I'm like, oh, no. Nah. I said, no, nah, it's just like getting to know people. And he goes, yes, that's networking. And so he explained it to me. I remember because of Brent, I'm an Apple junkie. I mean, I haven't had every single iPhone, iPad, iPod, MacBook because of Brent. I invest mm -hmm. in Apple when it was 96 bucks a share. Google when it was like 190 bucks a share, like way back. And just and that's because of Brent Barry. I mean, I, it was we just come from two different worlds, and he took me under his wing, saying, "I can see that this guy likes this stuff, but doesn't know a lot about it." And mm -hmm. I was just a sponge, period. And I, so he was, he was that guy for me, 100%. And, and, and then I would have to say this, Ewing was probably one of the most greatest players to play the game that I've ever been around. That dude, mm -hmm. as old as he was when he left Seattle, I don't know if you guys remember he played in Seattle. But yeah, he played in Seattle. Played, yep. He never missed a voice practice. Like, G would go down in his sweats and flick the ball up at the rim and then, but Pat was with us all the time. He wore a suit to every game and he was his professional. He, he did his pregame routine. He played when coach Nate put him in. And then after he was doing his rehab routine, he would put his suit back on and carry his stuff. And he was humble to everybody. He was a professional that I've ever been around for sure. Wow. Did you, um, seven or eight years into the league at any point in time, did you find yourself in the reverse position where you had a, where you had a youngster that was new in the league, like a rookie that was looking for a little bit of advice? Oh, I was there probably a little earlier. Cause I was a pretty, I mean, I went four years of college, right? So I was pretty vocal, a vocal guy as well. And I wouldn't say I was overly talkative, but you know, I was always approachable. And so like Richard Lewis and I were great friends and, mm -hmm. and Lou was just, we came out of high school from Houston, right? It's like, so we just were, we were from two different spaces as well from the standpoint of mindset. So mm -hmm. Richard and I sat beside each other half the time and Brent the other time. We always say either on the same row, two by two, or like Brent was here on the island. Always, us three would always talk. But I would say halfway through my career, I started mentoring guys like Mo Williams, Dave mm -hmm. Ford. Um, later in my career, Russell Westbrook was my rookie. Um, you know, Charlie, Charlie Bell, um, Ke even Kevin, like Kevin and I developed a great relationship, still have one today. We still talk. And, you know, I can remember when Russ and Kevin, people talk about them not getting along, like when they were playing together, they weren't mm -hmm. getting along when I was playing with them in 09. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> because they couldn't communicate with each other. And so people didn't necessarily know that, but Kevin would, because Russell was my rook, Kevin would come to me and be like, mate, you got to talk to him. He won't listen. And so then I would go to Russ and I'm like, Russ, like, you know, that's a be aggressive, bro. Cause Russell was a very aggressive player, which is what makes him great. Right. I mean, he's not playing great right now, but listen, that dude is, he's a great player period. Mm -hmm. But 
he was it was a learning curve for him. We're talking his rookie year. So yeah, it was a uh, it, it yeah. I've been tons of tons of those guys, and I've watched some listen, and some have superseded anything I've ever done. But then some, I tried to tell them they didn't listen, and I look at their lives now, and I'm like, man, I just wish it's yeah. that one thing. I wish you would have just listened to that one thing, and you, yeah. and you could do it now because you can't get it back anymore. It's over. So you're you're referencing for the for the non hoops junkies on here. You're talking about Kevin Durant. So you're talking with Russell. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, Katie. Yep, Kevin Durant. Yeah. So yeah. with 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 Russell Westbrook and and Kevin Durant, you're talking about. You know, I don't think that Russ was on the 70, 75 greatest players of all time team. And if he was, forgive me, but you're, you know, he's one of the first guys to average a triple double since Oscar Robertson. I think the first since Oscar Robertson and, you know, Kevin Durant, multiple champion, both of them were MVPs. What's the thing between the two of them, even as far back as 2009, that's making them butt heads? Because from the outside looking in, and I know we're oversimplifying the matter, the people that are watching it are just going, hey, you two dummies, just play together. But obviously yeah. it's not that simple. And I think what, what makes it complicated is personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knew, and I mean, I'm talking about everybody. If, if you were on planet Earth at a time, you knew that the Oklahoma City Thunder was Kevin Durant's team. And if you mm-hmm. didn't, you're just being stupid. Russell thought he was just as good. And that was just it. It was mindset. Like Russell was like, he was, it was alpha, alpha. But Kevin's not necessarily a very passive guy. Like Kevin is, that's why he, all the Twitter stuff and the social media, that's why he gets in his feelings so much. Like Russell doesn't care. You see how he responds to media and all that? He doesn't give a crap. Fuck but off. Don't care. Yeah, that's, that's exactly don't, yeah. I don't give a shit about that. But with, with KD, it hurts his feelings. And so he, he you know, create an account to, to defend himself and things. That's just the person he is. He is a good kid. Like, and I say this all the time. And you can see when he tries to play tough, it's almost like you know it's phony. It's out of his realm. Like mm-hmm. Russ is don't give a shit. Like that's just they played together. That was the biggest issue is that Russ was like, I'm this team. And, and we all kind of like, no, this is not your team. And that was their <laughs> biggest issue. Like, because Kevin would never call Russ out. But facial expressions and body languages speak just yeah. as much as words do. And that was the issue. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin would always come to me and be like, Mace, man, you got to talk to him. And I would go to Russ and I'll say, hey, Russ, man, like, that was, that was like, we got to move that ball, man. Look where we at. This is the score, this time and time possession management. All right, Mace, all right. But then he would go do it again. So that yeah. was the bigger frustration between those two. It was literally, they didn't, it wasn't about them just not liking each other. It was about, a huge separation in personalities and and Kevin knew the team was his but he would never say that publicly ever mm-hmm. but Russ like that he didn't have a problem with stuff stuff like that and not to not to psychoanalyze Russell Westbrook but both of them are certainly part of the cultural zeitgeist at at the moment and he's having his struggles with the Lakers do you think that he can get where he has gotten as a professional athlete as a pro basketball player can he get there if he doesn't have that utterly unwavering, resolute belief in himself that when he steps onto a basketball court, irrespective of who else is there, he's the fucking best player. You mean, you mean overall, like right for his becoming? I mean, like, I mean, I'm just saying like, that seems to be his mindset that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I'm stepping on the court with. doesn't matter my age, my height, my whatever. I hear this too about, 
Trey Young, listening to people speak about him who have been around him, that when he steps on a court, he just simply believes he's the best fucking player. It doesn't matter who else is there. Line him up. I'm the guy. Yeah, and I would say this. Like, Trey, like, so Trey's dad, Ray, and I played against each other since we were 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know Trey Young was his son. And he goes, I'm sorry. Did you just say that? Did, did you just say that? Who is Trey Young's dad? Did you say Ray for Austin? Uh, Ray for Austin. That's Trey Young's dad. He played Texas Tech. He skip Tampa, skip Texas. to my Lou. Skip no, no, to no, my Lou. No, 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 I'm sorry. Not Ray for Austin. Ray for Young. Ray for Young. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. yeah, no, no. All right. Okay. You said Ray for. You said no, no. Ray, Ray, Ray for Young. Um, no, not Skip, but Ray for Young. We he's from Pampa. Played in tournaments against each other since we were like 13 years old. Right. We talked varsity high school so i didn't know trey was his son and so when i met trey i met trey when he was a little boy when i was with the hornets in oklahoma city not necessarily knowing years past and he's norman north trey young that's rafer's calling me he's like des like i don't know how to deal with this i got agents call me he wants to go out he's at ou now blah what do i do and i saw a constant conversation with ray about trey and he, he took a visit to Oklahoma State. And I went to that. I mean, I was up there at the visit uh, to Oklahoma State. I didn't say much because raise my, I'm not influencing. I told him he needs to do what's best for him. That's all he needs to do. And he decided to go to OU, which is obviously my rival. But I was happy that he was going to play college basketball. Well, now he's Trey Young, right? And Trey has a belief in himself. But when you're on, I mean, like I said, he's top. He's up there with Brent, Pat, Ewan, and guys like Michael Red, guys like that. His humility just has to do that because he has been kind of, he's too small. He's not strong enough. Like, he just has to put on this, this persona. Guys like Russell and those guys, guys like MJ, Kobe, T-Mac, guys that I played against in my era. And I'm sure you know this in the film industry. I know you have seen it a thousand times over that to be that good, and I'm to be that good, bro, you got to be a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. You have to be a little bit different. You have to believe in yourself in, in a way that, I mean, you walk on water almost. I mean, I, in, the, in the film industry, I've seen guys that I've watched on the silver screen and I'm going, man, that dude is the coolest fucking. And then you meet him in person and they're just the, they're fucking different, man. Yeah. Like that's, but, to do to be that successful, that belief in yourself has to be beyond what anybody else says. That's why mm-hmm. I was too my agents. I was too humble and a little bit too passive, and that and that's saying a lot for me. Like the Kobe of those guys, and I'm not saying I had the talent level, but I just wasn't an asshole enough. I was a little bit too humble. I passed them like I cared about. If I missed three shots in a row, I wasn't shooting a four point. <laughs> like I was like, I don't got it. Like let's find somebody else. But those guys, Gary Payton missed. He went, he went in the first half, he went three for 20 and a half. <laughs> Kept shooting. The glove, my guy. Sonics, I loved him. Loved him. Loved him. So, no, you have to be, you have to mentally be, you have to mentally be, it's got to be about you. You got to be a little selfish, for sure. It has to be. You know, I actually walked past Russell Westbrook at Katsuya in Brentwood a couple of years ago. And I was shocked because normally I'm surprised by how tall NBA athletes are. I was shocked by how he was barely taller than me, Stephen. Yeah, and I know. to watch that yeah. guy speaking to Dez trying to dunk on Jack to watch Russell go straight up with 
anybody and try to dunk on him. I always reflect on that moment where I walked by him in person with normal street shoes on. I went, wow, he is not, yeah. not that tall. And he just nope. goes face to face. <laughs> I mean, you have to be a little bit crazy, right? You know, I mean, no, uh, just, just, you know, the, the, the ultimate belief in yourself. He's yeah. a killer. He, he, yeah. he, well, listen, his talent level speaks for itself. And I, I'll say this all day, every day. He screws loose up top, whatever you, whatever, however you want to do it, which there's a lot, but however you want to do it, Russell is the ultimate competitor, one, and two, yeah. that dude has absolutely no fear. Yeah. Who was, no who fear. was the greatest raw talent ever next to you on a team? Right. Like, like the one person that stands out. Right. So, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got size, you've got, you know, three point shooters, you've got, uh, you know, like the, 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 the glove, you know, for example, playing D, but like, who's, who's the greatest raw talent that just shocked you? Oh my, oh, like I, I was able to really experience it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. On your teams with you. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Not, not a, interesting. Not, yeah. No, no, I mean, that's just, I mean, Russell wasn't Russell at the time. Kevin Durant yeah. was. I mean, you got to think about it. Like, I think people don't understand how tall he really is. They do not. They, no, they, they, Drew, they I don't. Drew, I was just about to say, he's, 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 he's like he's seven one? Legit, he's nah, legit he's, seven. Yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's like 6'11", seven, seven foot. Like, and, and he's got like his wingspan is like seven, six, something stupid like that. <laughs> and so he benches 135 that. pounds too, yeah, right? right? And I mean, goes, isn't that true? <laughs> isn't right? it? So here's, here's another one. Gary Payton said, I won't get back to Kevin, but Gary said this when I played obviously in Seattle. And every year, all the players have to do 10 workouts a month. Like it doesn't have to be big ones, but just like 10 staying and get in the gym, push up some weight. Gary will pay to fine for all months at the beginning of the season and said, it don't matter how much weight I can lift. As long as I can put that ball in the hole, that's all that matters. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Reggie Miller was the same way. And he would still do some workouts. But Kevin Durant, like, do you need Kevin Durant to be 270? No, you don't need him to be 270. Like, you need him to be Kevin Durant at the end of the day. But that guy, yeah. I'm telling you when I say this, that dude is, he, watching him, one, he, he's laughing. He's shooting again at 3 a.m. in the morning, and he's the first guy to show up. And that was when I was playing with him in Oklahoma City. I mean, he he doesn't have another. There's no hobbies for him. He doesn't have a hobby. It is yeah. basketball all day, every day. Drew, score, I was score buckets. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to a podcast that he did with Bill Simmons after either the first or the second championship that he won with the Warriors, and Bill was said to him, "You know, what are you going to do right now?" And he goes, "I got to get in the gym, man." And Bill's like, "You just you just you just won the championships." Like you just won the championship, you're not going to take a little bit of time. He said something to the effect of, "Do you see how I played in the finals?" Bill's like, "Yeah, he, you know, you won the finals MVP. I, I saw how you played in the finals." He's like, "He's like, I got, I got buckets in me right now that I got to get out. I got uh, buckets in me that he's like, I just got to get to the gym. And I got to get these. He's like, he's like, I got to get these buckets out. Got to get them out." <laughs> okay, I'm Kevin. I'm I was here 3 a.m. I knew all of his homies. I knew Kevin and quick Kevin. Kevin creates beats and writes music. Nobody, not, not oh. a lot of people know. He creates beats and writes music. We, he had a studio in his house here. And 
I've been writing music since I was like 13 or 14 years old. It was nothing artistically. And then Joe Smith, who went to Maryland, you know, in the NBA as well. Like we would all go over to either Kevin's house or Joe's house and just write music and record music. And Kevin would make all the beats. Like that was what we did when we lived in Oklahoma City. It wasn't no clubs. There's not a clubs and bars and stuff in the city. No, there's not. But yeah, so you just kind of <laughs> like, that was what you did. But like that guy is, is as talented as they come. And if he wasn't doing that, he was in the gym shooting shots. Mm -hmm. they, he had his own like access to the gym, which they end up giving us all access because Kevin had his access. It was like, okay, all you guys can be able to get in. Um, yeah, getting, up, getting up shots. Steering you back to, to art for a second. Yeah. Do you see, you know, I, I don't know who you admire, admire as, as an artist and you can tell me in a second, but I'm curious if you see similarities between the greatest artists in the world that you've come across and the greatest basketball players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a, I would say a few that really stick out to me that I've kind of really, I look at how I play the game and how I approach the game and I look at the same way I do with art. And I think there's more similarities in the world of art and, and, and I mean, sorry, the arts and sports than people know, right? And so mm -hmm. mine would be one, gotta be a little bit crazy. Yeah, that's it. You gotta be, you gotta yeah, be a little bit That's crazy. a good one. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. it's just the way it is. Like, it's just you gotta be a little bit crazy. And two, you gotta be a little bit selfish. And outside of that is that you absolutely have to hone your craft in like those ever done. And that's the, that's the greats. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge collector of work. Um, I create work, but I don't like my art hanging in my house. I'm a collector of work. Mm -hmm. I collect Banksy, Basquiat's, you know, all the, the old masters as well. I mean, I was, that was how I invested my yeah. money. So, and, yeah. So, but, so speaking of, I want to hop in right there and I want to ask you a question, yeah. a story that you told me that I want you to tell Steven about mm -hmm. being a collector and about how, how young you were and oh, yeah. what are the, one of the first moves you made and what you yeah. purchased. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. I was, I was blown away by this, but it, it just, yeah, it just shows you who he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like if, if I look back now and it, it doesn't, it was so dumb now that I look back, but. Um, oh, I can't actually, wait. I'm excited now. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. excited. We, we, okay. We were, playing, we were playing the Lakers uh, in LA and we were staying at the Willis, uh -oh. Beverly Wilshire. Ralph no. They had a, uh, a gallery that was right down the way, like a very. And so me, like I, I mean, you know, I had never seen money like that, but I was an art guy and I always wanted to collect art. Had my little house in Seattle. So I went down um, before the game, before the buses were going to leave. And I walked and I'm looking, it's got Warhols, Chagall's, Picasso's, Miro. I mean, he's talking about like big boy artwork. And I'm looking, I'm just like, so the guy's trying to like, he's looking at me because I got sweats on. He's like, oh, you know, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, how much is that? And it's like, oh, that's a Warhol, it's worth this. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, yeah, how much is that one? And so I'm just kind of going through, and then we get to the room that has these Picassos. And they're aftermarket etching and sign. I mean, they're very, very expensive artwork, but not like, you know, not a Picasso in the MoMA. But it's just still expensive work. And I'm like, how much is that? He goes, oh, well, I need to contact the person. I'm like, well, how can contact? So I stood there. He thought I was playing. I'm like, I want to buy that. <laughs> So, an original Picasso. Yeah, so, <laughs> and I bought it. And he goes, what do you want me to ship it? I'm like, no, no, no. I need, I'm taking it out. And so <laughs> he, he wrapped it up in bubble wrap and plastic. and gave me the leather of authenticity. 
next to the wheelchair hotel. We went and played. I told our equipment guys, they Mark St. Ives. I'm like, Mark, you got this is a Picasso. Mm-hmm. And I ride back to Seattle with it on my lap in the plane. And then I have my <laughs> first Picasso. That was my first painting I ever bought. It was my first. That was your rookie time. year, you said, right? Like that was that was, that your was first my year rookie. In the Absolutely. Yeah. So I, this I, guy's I, investing I his, his original at twenty two. His one of his first paychecks flew home a Picasso in his lap. <laughs> it was in my lap, wrapped in bubble wrap and plastic. I was twenty two years old when it happened. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I, are you the? It, it sounds like you might be the OG art guy in the NBA that we know of, because obviously wine has become a big thing fashion and all, all that, that stuff has come to the forefront, but I, you're the first guy that I know that I think you might be the OG at the, at, at art collecting, buying a, buying a Picasso in in your rookie year. 22, man. Yeah. Like, so I was, but so here's what gets me. I love it because I love the fact that guys that I play with, I mean, this, I was, if I didn't have my portfolio on a road, I was finding a Blix or a, or a Utrecht that had material that I would go and buy, get a taxi to go buy and go back to the hotel mm-hmm. and paint if I didn't travel with my stuff. And I would literally buy a new portfolio. So I went back. Like, I mean, I was just buying art supplies on every single road trip. Didn't bar, didn't strip club, didn't club. And I would go get, I ate at more than steakhouse. And I ate the same thing every single or watch a movie in my room. That was the extent of what I did. My career. It was a boring career for, you know, if you think, oh, wait, did you go party? And no, I didn't. That wasn't my yeah. thing. But when it comes to the world of art, and you said, like, there's, I just did it low key. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. an attention guy. Like, right now, Amari Stoudemire has been involved in, in the world of art for quite a while. Um, he's done exhibitions in a lot of different places. I mean, I've I've participated in Miami Art Basel for nine years, but I don't speak on that. Only to my clients, my collective. That's it. Miami Basel is like the Super Bowl for us. If you're an artist, yeah, like, it's like yeah. If you get if you are if you're there, it's a big deal. It's big. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's not really about that. It's about I, when I retired, I stopped watching sports. I separated myself from sports, and I did not want my art to have anything to do with sports. Art, the arts, and care less if you play sports. Are you good at what you do? Does your work look good? Is it complex? Did you work on this? Do you know your craft? Then you're part of our group. If not, kick rocks. That's the way they think. And so there that was is. me, man. I, I, stepped, I stepped away for a long time. I didn't do anything. Anything, anything sports. I was out completely for five years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, Speaking yeah, of your yeah, art I got, career, I, I think this is a, this, this the is one a perfect the segue yeah, then. Real quick. Real quick. Should, uh, yeah. I, I'm talking about playing right. So is that your that Banksy? Right That's the yeah. Banksy, yeah. Yeah. So my wife got it for me. She surprised me with it. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, if you haven't, you see it. Yeah. But um, it's a. It talks about when he made all the counterfeit money, quote unquote counterfeit money that had Princess Diana on it, and he only kept a certain yeah. amount and destroyed the rest, so he wouldn't. So my wife found one for me. Ooh. I was like, I want to do something cool in my kitchen. So I hung it sideways. So every time somebody comes in, they go, hey, hey, Paul. And I'm like, nah, that's what Banksy would do. 
And then I stenciled yeah. his signature next to it. I spray painted my wall. My wall. That's yeah, and great, I, man. I love look, it. I can, I can see it. I can see it right now. Sorry, Drew. I know you were going to pop in with a, with a Sorry, question here, yeah. but you, you, did, you know, you did, the, you did the right thing here because for the people who aren't looking at this from a video perspective, we've got your wine bottle, your capsule collection, all that stuff, and you've got Sorry, a colorful yeah. T-shirt on. And yet, the only fucking thing that I can see is the Banksy uh, bill <laughs> and the spray paint in the well, background. But for the record, Steven's got serious feng shui issues, so he wouldn't have been able to spend more than 10 oh. seconds in your kitchen without getting up on a chair and fixing that, that frame, by yeah, the way, right? No, no, yeah. no, 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 hang on. I, look, I appreciate that. And while I, while I do have feng shui issues, I understand the difference between negligence and someone purposely there, hanging I, something. I get it. Okay. okay? Yeah. Right? No, like, that like, makes sense. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. But, but also, you know, our buddies, our buddy Zacco is, our buddy Zacco is on the line, but I, that, that Banksy piece right there, that's the second coolest counterfeit piece of money I've ever seen. Aside from Zacco, who still has a, a, a Shane McMahon, a hundred dollar bill from WrestleMania oh that we went to. Oh my okay. God. That's a collector's that's item. A that's a collector's item too. So that's Drew, go look. ahead. I'm sorry. I cut you no, off. no, no. I was, I was going to just, you know, start to segue into, to his, his uh, art career and, you know, how, how he landed on this capsule and the piece, you know, yeah. I think that, you know, him uh, in with, with, you know, Des mentioning that, that he, that he took a five-year break from sports completely. Obviously you, you, you probably put your head down and hunkered down and buried yourself in the arts. Right. Um, and, and, and uh, you came out of the backside of it. Um you know, it's so funny because I always knew you as 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 the Sonic and the you know slam dunk champ because I mean we're the same age and I remember watching you right and just going man he's got hops and I was proud because you're Sonic and you know in in uh, knowing uh, Lonnie for years now he was texting me pieces of your art and I'm like this dude has got serious serious skills right like just the vibe and the feel of all of your pieces and the jerseys and the crown that you put on your stuff i'd love it you know i mean at some point in time i actually, I actually want one uh you know i mean 100 but you know in 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 you know hearing how you took the five-year hiatus i'm sure that you that you just immerse yourself in the arts right and then so now here you are you've got a, a crazy loyal following we just watched it with the capsule collection drop you know des was telling me he's like i want to give it to my collectors first yep and he did and he wasn't joking he's got a roster of super loyal collectors that love him and 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 just love all of his his pieces um and obviously this you know wine plus art piece is you know super unique but um you know he has built a a, a serious roster of collectors he uh you know works across a variety of mediums right i've seen him do uh, you know, obviously, you know, these, 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 you know, wild paintings, but I've also seen him do bronze pieces and I've seen him take shoes and do amazing things with them. So I, I would, I would like to hand it over to Des to just, you know, how, how do you, how do you describe your own personal style of art? Um, and then talk about how that inspired your move into wine and the capsule that, that we just launched a couple of days ago. Man, thank you for all the information. I, I would say that my work is inspired by my experiences, you know, past, present, and what I, my life down the road. Um, but then also it's, it's my family and my children, um, you know, my friends, we, we just, we love our friends. We love our people that we hang with and I travel as well, you know, so I draw as much as I can. I'm always, I got notes. I'm always taking them. It's kind of always making sure I'm dialed in, right? I think sometimes we can float 
around, you know, either whether it be on our phones or just whatever, like, right, over busy, you know, we, we think about 10 different things. But, mm -hmm. you know, I try to find time to, to really dial in to my surroundings. And, and so I use that as inspiration for my work. You know, that, that, that's where a lot of my work is drawn from and being inspired by other artists as well, especially guys that are considered my top five artists of all time. Um, but when it comes to this piece, putting together this piece was, you know, this, this, this wine collection, this, this cap was more about me speaking on one, right? I'm a, I'm a huge wine fan. <clears throat> I've been for 20 plus years. I'm obviously for arts and basketball changed my life forever. It changed the, the, my family's life. It changed the path. It gave me more opportunities than I could possibly imagine. And so the only way to do that was to find a way to collaborate the three, which I very, very, very rarely do, right? I paint on a jersey, mm -hmm. but those, even the are extremely unique. Those, all those jerseys were jerseys that was given to me by the players after the games I played them in. And Ooh, I started painting cool. them. Wow. Right. Wow. And so that it was it wasn't like I just randomly went out and got jerseys and started having guys sign them. Like those jerseys date back like the Yao Ming jersey. If I put it on, it's like to my shin. Like, right. I mean, it's like <laughs> these, are, these are the old school, super long jerseys, you know, the silks, the, all the classics. And so they're very, very unique. All of them are very unique. Um, so putting this, at least a creative for the wine and, and being able to have some insight on the blend of the wine. And then also being able to name it, you know, Evaltro, which is art love spelled backwards. Mm -hmm. um, it was a way for me to express, man, some of the things, there's a lot more thing. I mean, I love, I have a passion for a lot of things, but when we decided to do this, that was it, man. I wanted to make sure I got, did the, the best I could at creating something that on me as an individual. And, and I accomplished that. And, and the, the, the box, with the, the shoe box was just like, that was icing on the cake, honestly, for me. I'm like, I, I was like, I was like, well, shit, I didn't know what it was gonna be like. I mean, I knew we were gonna have like a really nice, you know, packaging and things like that. But then I saw a shoe box kind of vibe for the first time. I was like, yeah, see, I can do something with this. Like I can definitely yep. do something with this. It was a good vibe, man. So yeah, yeah. no, that, that was it, man. That was that was it. That was how I got to where I got, you know, with the with Evaltra and the collection. That was kind of my thought yeah. process. And Steven, you know, what's funny is, 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 you know, back in the early days when we were first starting to talk about this months ago, Des hit me with six, seven, eight different ideas and mm -hmm. not just, not just sketches, but like pieces, right? Like he would, he would, yeah. he would, he would send over that basketball. He would send over a different version of the basketball. He would send over another version. He would, he would send us the guy. I'm not sure what you call the piece that's actually inside the, the capsule, which is yeah. a secondary piece that everybody gets. He yeah. sent me that, you know, he sent over these beautiful 3D renderings and all this stuff. Just go, wow, man, like, how do we, how do we pare this down to just one piece that we feature on the bottle? And so far, man, I mean, that, that, that basketball out of, and there's no offense to, you know, I mean, any of the other capsules that we've done, but I've gotten more, more proactive text messages just from friends and like contacts. They're like, that thing is dope. That basketball label is dope. So, yeah, the most, you. the most important thing, it. yeah, the, the most yeah. important thing that you sent us. You sent us your customers, so we didn't have to work that hard to sell these pieces. <laughs> Absolutely, we appreciate. It. I don't know how many. I don't know how many are left. 
I don't there know how many go. are left. Drew, do you know? Do you know how many are left? I think I Zacho said at the time of this recording, which they'll be gone by the time it goes out in a, in a day or two. I think it's like three or four left. So that's great. Um, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We we just, I mean, we we um, talk about this, man. Our customers, our, our clients that follow us, because I don't do a lot of stuff like this. You know, I'm normally mm-hmm. I don't I don't do reproductions. You know, I've done two, I think maybe three in two years. You know, prints of pieces. Wow. I just it's not, I, I want people to own things that really mean something. And then once they get it, I work really, really hard for a valuable asset for them. Right. I mean, I just the way it is for me personally. But an original painting for me, t- 10 years from now, I'm going to work to make sure that that's it, it has great value. Whether you decide to sell it or not sell it. A lot of my clients are like, oh, I'm never gonna sell it. My kids I have it. That's fine. But doesn't matter. I'm working to make sure that it's a valuable asset for you. And I'm, I'm honing my craft daily all the time. And so um, when my clients step in, you they are. step in knowing that they, they know that I'm working really hard to make, make this to be special. And with this, you know, this drop was, was amazing because it was something that they've never seen. I mean, I've done jerseys, I've done murals, I've done collaborations with other companies. But this was something that I spoke very honestly on that I've been always wanting to do this, man. Like I'm telling you, to do, to like have your, to, I have my own wine. That's, yeah. That's a big yeah. deal. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, At least listen, for me, it is. I mean, not for everybody. Look, we're, no, we're, look, look, man, we're trying to, we try to tell people, we try to tell people all the time when we're talking about doing a collaboration and you can get into the varying elements of the deal points. I always try to tell people, hey, don't forget at the end of this process, and it doesn't have to take very long, you get your own wine. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, just, it, starts com- it starts conversations at dinner parties. It's some people really, don't really get fun. That. Some people don't get it. Well, man. you know what those people don't have? They don't have their own fucking wine. They don't because have their own you wine. Do, <laughs> you just said they, it. They get it. They get it. Yeah, start, All right. So we children. should... You have been you've been very generous with your time, but we should. Um, I, I, I two two quick questions for me, and then if Drew has anything, I'll I'll, I'll let him go. But I'm wondering um, that game that you got knocked down twice. Any any chance Shaq gave you his jersey? Oh, I, I got like three Shaq jerseys. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Any, no, any of them? Any of them have your? I, does any of them have your blood on them or no? Oh no 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 <laughs> I, no no I I don't bleed. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Okay. There it is. And nobody makes me me bleed my own blood. And I'm I'm just curious because NBA players are going to talk about restaurants all all the time. I want to know what road stop had the best Mortons. Oh, I would have to the OG Mortons, but I'm going to have to say this as well because it's still active. And I, we travel to Italy a lot and I was taught by a master Italian chef to cook. So I cook really, really well, but the best Italian food in the United States of America, mm-hmm. Scalanitella in New York city. Scalanitella, it's 62nd and 63rd, I think in Madison, it's underground. It's a red. Go on a Scalinitella, Scalinitella, Scalinitella. And I remember 
Tony Kukoc, who played in Italy for a long time from Croatia. I took Tony when I played Milwaukee, when he played Milwaukee with me. And that place blew his mind. He's like, there's no better food. And I said, I've told everybody I tell about it, they go, they never go anywhere else. Steven, I think we've the been truth. there. And if, do you go like downstairs you go to get in? Yes, you do. There's a red on it. You small. go underground. Brick, there's pictures on the wall. It's not very ball. big. There's a piano in the yep. far back before the bathrooms. And you see, we've been there. You and I have been there. The bathrooms, you have to go upstairs. <laughs> you have to go back upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That place we've is been. that place that like yeah. they, they tell you the whole menu off the top of their head. And then they give you. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's like a really small, but that is, that is to me. So if you ever go there, Tony and I started this. There's a drink called a Scropino. It's a Southern Italy drink, and it's made of champagne, um, vodka, and homemade Italian lemon ice, and they blend it and put it in a champagne flute. If you Ooh. ask for a Scropino, they're going to know we sent you because nobody else gets Scropino. <laughs> okay. That's, that that, that is a fact. That is a fact. That's great. Here's yeah. my last question, just because I think that there's a certain cutoff in uh, birth year in, in in how you answer this question, right? I think that... Um, if you're born, you know, in, in the, in the 90s or later, you answer it one way. And if you're born prior to, you, you know, you answer it the right way. Uh, who's the goat? Who's, who's the, the goat? goat? Yeah. Uh, we having this conversation. We should start this at the beginning. Uh, my was just, there you go. Okay. And exactly. That was my point. I have a very legit, I have a legit, I have a, yeah, very legitimate. It's a very legitimate argument for sure. But yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan. Nobody, but, but, but I did globally. For me, for a long time, it, it was always like, why are we even talking about this? And then I started to hear the argument about how it's about age and it's about it's about, you know, the youngsters who picked up at a certain age and they watched the king. Right. Do his thing for all these years. And then they, no, there's 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 one goat. End of story. Well, so, here's the argument. Like soon as LeBron passed, soon as LeBron passed Kareem, all of a sudden, because he passed Kareem and scoring, he was a goat. But I'm like, well, then why, we, why didn't we call Kareem the goat before? LeBron passed. <laughs> That's a great point. How do you pass like, a guy who's not the GOAT and then you're the GOAT? Right? And, and that makes you the GOAT. And I'm like, okay, well, then he has less rings. So if it's about rings, then why isn't Bill Russell part of the GOAT conversation? Yeah. <laughs> Are like, there so 14 would, GOATs? Are there 14 GOATs? Yeah, exactly. you think about it, when, you, when you think about it, it's a, it's, a, it's a horrible argument because there's too many, you know, too many ways to go with it. But I say this, MJ won one of the best scores, one of the best closes ever in history. And I don't think that's yeah. questionable. I think one of the best defenders in the game of basketball as a elite scorer, which you don't find very often as well, right? The two-way yeah. player is what we call him nowadays. That's another one. Um, second, as a champion, you look at all his stats and his records in the finals as a player. Did you see drop off in MJ's game when he got to the playoffs? Absolutely not. It actually got better. Another one. And last one. No one impacted the game globally like he did. I don't see anybody. It's got to count. Like, it's it's got to count. No, You're right. 100% it counts. I mean, like the baggy shorts, the short socks, the quarter tops, the ball head, the 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 the, the, uh, the wristband on the forearm, the, wristband. the swagger, the tongue out. Like, listen, LeBron is one of the greatest to ever play the game. But I just, I mean, think about something that LeBron has done over his career that every kid on the planet does. There isn't one. There is. We was one. all sticking our tongue out, acting like we was Michael Jordan. 
I still wear Jordans. They're, they're, I have like 15 pairs of these things and I don't know, I'm, I'm 44 years old, man. And I still wear these things because when I was 11 years old, yeah, he was, true. he was the coolest guy walking on the face of the planet. That's why. <laughs> Look, what does LeBron, like, not, and yeah. this is not just targeted at LeBron. I don't want to make it seem like that, but what does LeBron or anybody that's in that, I don't think it's, I think it's just him and LeBron, honestly, in the big scheme of things, what does he do that, Kids globally, and the people that love the game, that they do, you go, man, LeBron does that. There wasn't one. Mm. the fadeaway. That's Mike, yeah. right? The, ba- yep. the baggy shorts. That was Mike. The quarter, the, the low socks. That was Mike. The ball head. He guys had ball head, but Mike made it popular. Yep. Yeah, I mean, listen. There, there's the, the <laughs> you you can you can get into breaking down the games and you know, well, LeBron's taller, this or that, and the other thing. Well, it's fine. It, it, you really need to factor it in and it's not really quantifiable. Michael Jordan was just the fucking coolest. Absolutely. He was just the coolest. He's so, he was so he's incredibly, he's very handsome. He was stylish. He was, he's was one of a kind because irrespective of what LeBron does right now. And he's doing so many things off the court. The only reason that he has that playbook at his disposal is because he's immediately following Michael Jordan who wrote the fucking playbook. Absolutely. And the one thing that Michael Jordan, I've, I've dealt with this with him. Michael Jordan mentored me for two years when I played. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he was, he, and we, 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 we as cordial as they come. And so I was working on a collaboration to do a print of, MJ, like I had this really cool, and then COVID hit, and he just kind of got shelved for a second. We're gonna get back to it, but the one thing that I was sending him over conceptual ideas in his team, his people, is he doesn't like being called the goat. Mm. He hates it more than anything because he says it's a disrespect to everybody that came before him. Yeah. Period. Yeah. LeBron wants to be. To me, that makes you not. Like, to me, in all honesty, the GOAT comes with humility. It comes with impactfulness on a global scale, especially when you're dealing with a global game, right? You're dealing with a global game. What's your impact in this game globally? So all the plus and minuses in the big scheme of things, and you want those statistics in, fuck, throw in statistics. When you start adding them all up, who comes all out on the top? And it may not be by a lot, but it's going to be Michael Jordan plus he did in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. This is funny, Stephen, because I actually just wanted to ask a short question just to prove a quick point, and it it, it you know turned into something much more like like more of a rant, which I love because Michael Jordan needs <laughs> to go. Well, I just I, I just like I, I just like finding out I like finding out that he mentored you for a couple of years in the league. I that's think that that's really yeah, he did. That's, that's incredible. Nobody that's better. better. His, left, his, his, his lowest shooting percentage. I was the guy. Really? Ooh. Four for 14 in Washington. You're the glad of boy. Yeah, whatever, you man. Do. He still had it. He still it had different. it. After that, he had me come over to the training room, told me he liked my game, told me he wanted to stay in contact. He took my number. We had two-way pages back at the time, little Motorola sidekicks. And uh, so he took my number down, and he would watch my games, and then he would leave me voice messages or hit me up on the two-way and just tell me what I needed to work. And that's this, probably because he wanted and, to get you out on a on a golf course and start betting and then just humiliate you. Oh, so I, 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 like, I, 
I don't gamble, so that, that that he had no chance. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> he's like, watch no. this. This youngster thinks he's gonna stop me. I'm gonna get him out on the golf course and break it. If it ain't back, if it ain't back table crap, <laughs> I ain't in, bro. <laughs> well, this has uh, been great, Des. Yes, it has. This it has. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're if you're checking this out, uh, go to knockingpoint.com. You can check out Desmond's capsule collection. And anything else? Thank you very much for your time. Anything you want to add, Drew, before we wrap it up? No, that's it. That's it. This was a good chat. I knew it would be. Des, you know, thank you again for making this look so good, man. You're always fun to talk to every single time. Keep the ideas coming. Just because this project's done, uh, you know, that means nothing to me. So let's 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 keep rolling, man. And let's hang as soon as we no can. No doubt, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Right. We'll Cheers. connect. We'll connect you too with uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can go check out Desmond's art. And uh, that's it. Thank you very much, my friend. Peace. Thanks, guys. Peace. Take care.